Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You mess with the bull, bull. you get the horns. You get the horns. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. It is time for Catherine Swift, WorkingCanadians.ca, Linda Leatherdale at Linda Leatherdale, Michelle Simpson at Michelle Simpson, they're the beauties, I'm the beast, and our final B&B for 2016. So we've extended it by a matter of minutes. I couldn't persuade them to stay any longer than that. They said no. <laughs> they said no. They said, unless we get a raise. That's <laughs> Which I. We want our pay doubled. Well, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll take care of that for you. So do I'll most t- union members. Never two, mind. Two times zero is still zero, though. <laughs> yeah. Are we unionized? Hey, listen, <laughs> listen, you guys get all sorts of great exposure, and you know. We well, have, clearly and we're we still have... here, Roy. So there's got to be something. We we economists call it psychic income, if you can believe that. Oh. Which means you get something out of it other than money. Yeah. And Which is so, so refreshing. Income, and we got to, and we have a lot of fun. And we, Maybe in our case, it should be psycho income. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes for sure. You know, I was looking back at 2016 this morning. I went back. I had a little time and went onto uh, onto my files, and I looked back at some of the issues that we talked about in 2016. And it's amazing how often the name Trump and Trudeau came up. And I thought six weeks ago. If you'd asked most people, they would have said, well, it would have been Clinton and Trudeau that you'd be talking about. Trump would have been a byline. But no, it's, it's Hillary who's the whiny byline now. And, uh, and really, it's Trump and Trudeau that, uh, that, that carry the day. There's a lot to talk about. There was, of course, the, the, in Canada, there was a massive, that massive wildfire in Fort McMurray that, that, that destroyed the community. And, and I think we remember talking about the Wood Buffalo Council doubling its salary in June at, at that time, I just I just remember that as as being one of those issues that really annoyed me. That really and it annoyed a lot of people uh, that they would double their their salary at that particular time. There's the electricity pricing in Ontario. There's the Brad Wall versus uh, versus Justin Trudeau. There's Trudeau's behavior. There's the fundraising dinners, the expenses for the cabinet ministers, the resignation from Parliament by Stephen Harper, um, uh, Gerald Butts moving expenses. And uh, those of uh, of his communications director, what's what's um, what's her name, uh, Katie Telford. Telford, yep. Uh, and uh, the Tim Bosma murder trial. There were there were many issues that we discussed in 2016. May I ask the three of you to tell to share with us what's the number one issue for you in the in 2016, Catherine? Why don't we start with you? Well, I think I'd have to say the economy. And yes, I'm biased because that's my background. But I think too. The most important thing for most people is your your welfare, like your you know your, your well being, that of your family, putting food on the table, roof over your head, all that corny, you know Maslow's higher or hierarchy of needs stuff, um, and and we got a lot of worries there, and so that's to me, uh, from you know from the Canadian standpoint anyway. If it was the world, maybe something different, but I think in Canada, I think that's got to be number one. What is it about the Canadian economy? 
uh, and have what happened in 2016 and projects forward into 2017 that concerns you the most? Well, I think it's the denial by our so-called leaders of reality. And when I look back, sometimes I think we're living in some kind of bizarro world where the, 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 the normal rules are reversed. They don't apply. And we've got, for example, Rachel Notley in Alberta saying, oh, we're going to impose this carbon tax, but it'll be good for the economy, and it's not going to percolate down into the price of goods and services. Are you nuts? Of course it is. We have, you know, we have Trudeau saying, oh, let's keep spend, spend, spending as a government, even though we look around the world and we know governments that have spent themselves into a stupor, all they have to show for it is massive debt and a weak economy, not a stronger economy. You know, I, I see the, the environment minister saying, oh, our carbon tax is gonna, just going to boost Canada. We're going to have all these green technologies. We're going to sell everybody around the world. Yet every other country that has imposed that has hurt people, hurt average people. The elites have done quite well. There's a lot of people that make money from siphoning tax dollars into their solar, you know, their solar panels facility or whatever. But again, we, we seem to want to deny evidence in so many different areas. And why, you know, the old, the old saw about if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. We're doomed to repeat it. And, and I just don't see enough people, enough average people that vote for governments and so on, saying, wait a minute. Now, mind you, Roy, you mentioned Trump off the top. Maybe the Trump uh, election, shocking many, many, many people, you being the exception, Roy. Uh, but, you know, maybe that Trump election suggested people are starting to give their heads a shake and say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't commonsensical, this stuff our leaders are spouting. It's actually garbage, and it's hurting me. And we, sadly, we need more of that reality check so that maybe we'll, we'll, we'll call our, our leaders on the carpet and say, no, we don't like this. We want a reversal of this stuff that you're foisting upon us. We have one minute before we take a break. I'll ask uh, both Linda and Michelle to give us uh, their number one issue for 2016. And then when we come back from the break, I'll ask you to expand a little bit. Linda, what's the issue for you? Well, I'm going to take a lighter note right now. But Sweet Emotion was the song as we led into this. Stephen Tyler kissed me on the lips in 2016. (laughs) (laughs) And we did a fundraiser for him. But, (laughs) no, Catherine hits the nail on the head. And I think the number one issue for me, again, it goes back to the little consumer, the hardworking family. Bank of of Canada this week, again, sounded the alarm bells over our debt levels. And if we were to have a real estate crash, the trouble we would be in. She hits the nail on the head about the Trump win. People around the world globally are getting fed up with the greed that siphons the dollars into a few pockets and leaves the rest struggling to put food on the table. And should I mention electricity bills? Okay, hold on, hold on. I have to stop you now. Okay. Because I have to take a break and I don't have time for Michelle because Linda talked too long. I'm sorry, Michelle. And so did Catherine. Okay. So. But we have extra time. So when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll go to Michelle, and then we'll uh, cover some other issues from 2016, which uh, were talked about on this segment. Stay with us. Think you can swim with the sharks? Talk with Mr. Great White himself, Roy Green. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. All right, we're back with uh, Catherine Swift, WorkingCanadians.ca, Linda Leatherdale at Linda Leatherdale on uh, Twitter, and Michelle Simpson at Michelle Simpson on Twitter. There are the beauties, I'm the beast, and what's all that noise? Somebody eating potato chips? 
Not me. Not me. <laughs> I, don't know, I wish I was. Somebody was eating <laughs> potato chips. Hey, we we haven't heard from uh, from from you yet, Michelle. What's the uh, what's the issue that most stands out to you from 2016? Why there were so many, but that said, I, I'm going to fly at thirty thousand feet because uh, Catherine and Linda carpet bombed the you know the pocketbook issues, and to me, what really is disturbing is the attack on our democracy, both in Canada and south of the border. And the, you know, the proliferation of fake news and the tall tales, and that's, you know, dog whistle for lies to get elected and nonsense. And um, I'm just, I'm really concerned because it is an emerging issue. Even Facebook has tackled it. And it's uh, the fake news and getting it out there, being the first out there. And once it's out there, that becomes the reality. And that, to me, is really dangerous. It's interesting you talk about that because tomorrow we're going to be talking about, in the first hour, the issue of how satisfied or unsatisfied people are with mainstream media and the work the mainstream media does. Now, I want to say, I want to, I want to mention this to you. Must be back in, oh my, in the uh, in the 1980s. I spoke with Peter Jennings, the former anchor at World News Tonight, and Peter was a great guy and a good friend. And uh, we were at that time. Peter said to me that there was such pressure to be first with a story that even if, for example, if if they had World News Tonight didn't have a story, but CBS had the story and CBS was going with it, they felt pressure uh, at ABC to do the story even without doing their usual, and I don't want to, I don't want to miss, I don't want to say anything that's incorrect. This is what he said. We, we would feel pressure to do the story without doing our usual checking to make sure that it's authentic. We would trust the other organization to have done that properly. There was even then, there was a premium on being first. But I, I think, Roy, it's gotten bizarre, where people will make it up, yeah. and then it gets, becomes a mindset for some, and you can't shut it down. But, so, but, but hasn't there always news been... news gets mixed up with the fake news. Hasn't there always been fake news when you, when you walk out the supermarket and, and you, you look at the tabloids? It's all fake. Most of it's fake news. I think technology has has really made it more way more enhanced though uh-huh. yeah. to, to get back to you know the timing like you like you're mentioning Roy you know the the immediacy social media is a classic example yeah. I mean you know stuff something flies out on social media whether it be that Gordon Lightfoot died do you remember that yeah. Yeah. I remember and everybody bought into it wasn't true um, you know there's stuff that I I mean it's interesting because I'll I'll observe something on Twitter say and and I'll go that sounds pretty far fetched so I won't react to it and yet I'll see a bunch of other people, many of whom are either legitimate journalists or economists that I know who are who should know better, frankly. But they do react to it, and then later, of course, everybody has to go, "Oh, mea culpa, that was not true," and so on and so forth. So I think that technology has just made the problem exponentially worse. So it's up to us individually, or as media organizations, or whatever role we have and stake we have to check, double check, and triple check. Well, and and it's a part free free press. 
Roy, is part of democracy. And to have a qualified journalist who are holding our leaders' feet to the fire, that's a necessity with democracy. So, in a way, Michelle is absolutely right. And we have seen an attack, like the Internet is blamed for the downfall, but I think there are some players and hedge funds that are getting rich, and journalism is, is getting slaughtered. So I, I think it's I, something I, that we need to be very concerned about. Yeah, One I, I, thing I'd like to add, yeah. I'm proud to be part of this group, because I don't think we disseminate information that is patently false, just for the sake of, you know, ratings. So there you go. No, we wouldn't do that. We have fun. Uh, We we cover issues that matter, and we cover them in a way that, that, you know know what matters is that uh, this segment is so well received by by our listeners, and you see that reflected on, well, social media. But I have to take take a quick break here. We have to call you back because there's an annoying little techno hiss or wobble on the phone, on one of the phone lines. That's what I thought the potato chips were. So we'll have to call you back. So we'll all we'll hang up on you. We'll call you back in two minutes. And uh, for everybody else, we'll be back in three minutes. Direct, hard hitting, no holds barred. The Rory Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're back with the beauties with Catherine Swift, WorkingCanadians.ca, Linda Leatherdale, at Linda Leatherdale on Twitter, independent business journalist, vice president of Cambria, Canada, and former seatmate to the Prime Minister of Canada, and former Liberal Member of Parliament, Michelle Simpson, at Michelle Simpson. So, um, Linda and Catherine carpet-bombed, and Michelle took some fire, at least uh, dropped some bombs from 30,000 feet. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna whip out one of Justin Trudeau's new super hornets. <laughs> yes. We'll keep, we'll keep this, do. we'll keep this, this whole aviation thing going here, and uh, I, I'm gonna focus on Justin Trudeau for 2016. A couple of things that, and remember, he's gone down 10 points in the polls in the last couple of weeks, so it's reflective of Canadians taking a hard look at the prime minister's behavior. Elbows up dilettante performance in Parliament Hill when a vote wasn't being called quickly enough for the boy king. Consigning three women liberal MPs, including a cabinet minister, to being gender segregated at an Ottawa mosque. His praise prose eulogy for a murderous dictator named Fidel Castro. The fundraising dinners pay for access. And what he's been saying and explaining sounds like gibberish. Uh, Of course, the Ontario liberals, the B.C. liberals, who are also involved in that, and then we had expenses for cabinet ministers with Jane Philpott, the health minister, with her limo use, and the environment minister, McKenna's photographer, to capture her hard work in Paris moments. And I, I, I wrapped this all up for Christmas, and I put it in front of the prime minister, and I say, this is 2016. What are you going to do about it? How does – did all those things matter, or is they just, are, they just, are they just sidebars that, that really don't matter? Can I weigh in? Yes. Okay. They maybe individually won't matter, but they'll start to amass, and they'll start to rot. Right? And I'm dead serious. When I watched Justin Trudeau explain about the, uh, you know, paying for access, 
it was very clear he was so uncomfortable and why he would defend that position. He looked like a deer in the headlights, and I thought, well, liberals, here we go again. And what's interesting, Michelle, is that, and I've said this before, I'm a broken record, same advisors that advised Wynne on this precise issue are now advising Trudeau. Mm -hmm. And Wynne, let's look at, there's so many parallels, it's it's frightening, frankly, because Ontario's a big fat mess. But uh, they resisted, too. They resisted and resisted and resisted. Um, doing anything about their pay-to-play or whatever the heck you want to call it yeah. um, until the stink got so very smelly that they simply couldn't anymore. And I suspect that the same will happen at the federal level. And, but I agree with Michelle, Roy. You know, it, it's a cumulative thing. There's always some one-offs and people don't pay attention. But once it seems to be a, a real trend and, and a real drumbeat, that's when it starts to stick. And what surprises me somewhat, and maybe it shouldn't, but is they've only been in power barely a year. Usually this kind of rot you see after a government has gotten very comfy over a period of years, or sometimes not even until they're in their second term. So that's why it's intriguing to me is that uh, this happens so early. And the other thing that strikes me about the first year of Trudeau is he made some, frankly, foolish promises. Electoral reform was a classic. A lot of thoughtful people have said for anybody thoughtful to think they could change the electoral system so profoundly within one term was, was simply foolishness. And yep. yet he made a bunch of promises uh, that it seemed it was totally spur of the moment, off the top of his head, and then once it sunk in, they're not doable. And, and he wears that. He does. And Gerald Butts, Gerald Butts, the guy who overcharges taxpayers, etc., you're right, is advising him after destroying Ontario. And let's not forget, Kathleen Wynne had to open up her feet and re- or open up her mouth and rearrange her feet over electricity. We were all greedy, what was the word, Roy, that she called it? Bad actors? And then she turned around and said, well, I've made a mistake. So I think Justin Trudeau is going to be admitting he's made a bunch of mistakes. The carbon tax is one clearly that's coming down the pike. The honeymoon is over. The honeymoon is over. But no, the hubris, the hubris of and, the and liberals with this pay, pay to participate or oh. pay for the year, it was there in the 1990s. And I was uncomfortable with it then, and I hate it now. It's, it's a very... It, it's it's a it's quicksand. It's a bog for um, for for Mr. Trudeau, and he does not seem to be capable of thinking quickly on his feet. Yep. Um, and and he gets he gets bogged down very very fast. And it, it, I mean, you know that he he knows that he shouldn't have been doing this. He knows that there's no way his minister should have been charging taxpayers for a photographer and for limousines and then turning around and blaming previous administrations or just the way things are. We want to change things, but we couldn't because it's been in place for such a long time. Nobody buys that BS. No. Nobody. Nor should Least of all me. (laughs) Yes. Well, least of all you, been, exactly. There's also been some profound incompetence. I mean, look at Marianne Monsef for the uh, electoral reform. I, I mean, it, watching any her speak was painful under any circumstances. And, but I, I do see uh, this undertone of arrogance that we're going to yep. 
tough it out, and, and we're so great that eventually people will come around to our way of thinking. I still think that under, underscores a lot of what they're doing, and, uh, and it'll still take a ways to, uh, to, to diminish that. Yeah. The, mo- the moment the Conservatives and the NDP have their new leader, and boy, they're taking their time, but the moment they have their new leaders, and if their leaders are capable leaders, and if their leaders have, a, have policies and have approaches and ways of explaining themselves uh, to Canadians that, that, is, that is appealing... Trudeau's in serious trouble because he's laid the groundwork. He's laid the foundation for trouble. Yeah, early on, too. Early on. Do you know what? Here's a a good news story, a bad news, good news story. And I'm going to go back to the Fort McMurray wildfire. The bad news is, of course, the tremendous damage that was caused by that fire to the community and, and, and beyond, but particularly Fort Murray. The good news is the incredible community spirit that was displayed by the people of Fort McMurray as they helped each other get out of there and in convoys and then are coming, you know, lived away from home for as long as they did and, and now are back in many cases rebuilding. And we've been in touch with uh, Stacy and, uh, and Kevin, the, uh, uh, our, our, two, our two Fort McMurray residents who've, who've been our, our go-to people. Plus there was the incredible generosity of Canadians across this country who stepped up and provided more than $50 million in, in support for their fellow Canadians at Fort McMurray. That was, to me, that was an expression of, of what we're capable of as far as caring for one another is concerned. That was a bit, of a, a bit of a weird moment when Trudeau tried to explain to us what had been going on uh, because it's as though we hadn't been watching. But anyway, it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful expression of national community spirit uh, after a terrible catastrophe. And I couldn't agree with you more, Roy. And, you know, to think Patty Janetta and, you know, uh, so many different, Jim Cuddy, Ronnie Hawkins, everybody, we went, we went to Roy Thompson Hall and raised a bunch of money, and the firefighters actually came in. But the spirit. But then I recall that we talked on air, Roy, there weren't people that shared in that necessarily. The people that hate the oil patch, the people that don't appreciate that Alberta is such an important part of our economy, there was some rude comments going You're on right. against You're social right. media. Oh, yeah, they right. said, some idiots said they deserved it. Yeah, some of the fruitcake... Uh, you know, anti-oil under any circumstances, brigade. Yeah. Well, wasn't there a guy by the name of DiCaprio who thought that the Chinook was oh, a yeah, was Chinook an example of global warming? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He's that was there's another bunch of fake moment. news. Is is a lot of the balderdash that said yeah. about global warming? And there's there's, a, there's another the high beam on the highway of life, right? And temperatures have dropped, so I'm really wondering how the facts are going to be twisted. <laughs> it's all part of the fake, the fake news. Fake news, Catherine. Yeah, exactly, Michelle. Exactly. Is there an international story that uh, that you recall from 2016 that other well, than Donald, other than Donald Trump? Oh well, Trump for sure. But how about Syria? And you, you were you know you were injecting some positivity there with how Canada reacted to Fort Max uh, horrible circumstances. But, you know, we, we, we are still in Canada, you know, around the world, uh, despite our stupid political leaders' uh, actions that hurt us, we are still so much better off. And when I read about what's going on in Syria right now, and I, I think back to when that poor little baby, Alan Kurdi, remember, washed up on that beach and that... Oh, my God, the, the picture. World, and they started blaming the Harper government. And yet right now, equally and worse atrocities are going on in Syria... And yet, where's the media blaming? Listen, and I'm not saying they should be blamed, of course, but, you know, it's funny how they pounced on Harper 
totally with no facts, with zero facts to back that up. But now that, you know, the thing has persisted, and even our defense minister has said, not our fight, people, not our fight. And yet, you know, there doesn't seem to be much in terms of uh, criticism of the media by the current government. Well, just before before we started, just before we began with the B&B segment, I spoke with Colonel Peter Mansour, the former executive officer to General David Petraeus during the surge in Iraq. And uh, he was speaking about the uh, the situation in Syria, and uh, explaining you know the U.S. involvement or lack of involvement, and 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 he's quite concerned about what lies ahead. Uh, unrest uh, will continue for the foreseeable future, and it has the potential to uh, to spread. And, and what about emboldening Putin? Putin won. Yeah, I know. And he's probably the most dangerous guy in the world right now, Trump notwithstanding. Ah, oh, there you go. No, but that Trump's his sidearm, as far well, we'll as I'm see. concerned. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think the you know, there's a lot of speculation about that. But, I mean, I don't think Trump, for all his you know, foibles, is inherently evil. I think Putin is. Oh, yeah. No. And, and he's, he's, Trump is, is uh, inept, uh, I think. And, oh, well, I guess we'll find out. But that's the way it looks at the moment. But we'll, I, we'll I think see. Putin is very, very scary, and the whole Syrian thing has just... Strengthened yeah. and emboldened him. Anything in uh, 45 seconds we have left that you're looking forward to, to 2000, for in 2017? More, more beauty than the beast segments. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. Amen to that, Linda. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So, beauties, thank you so much for everything in 2016, all your contributions. You guys are, here we go again, you guys. Oh, and thank you, Roy. <laughs> uh, we'll talk in the new year. Right back at you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year to everyone. Yeah. All right. Whatever you said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Michelle. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And we'll come back and wrap up right after this.